Rob Whiten from the Ian Smith Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InnsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay, and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram. Check it out. Uh, they've got some really good summer deals, and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Hey, everyone. It's me, TV. Just reminding you, we have t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. You're listening to KZOM, Olean Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey, I just heard a baby go. Oh, you did, yeah. yes. <laughs> they're, they're, about, they're about an hour to feeding time, so. Okay, all right, well. 
by the time we're done recording, I'm sure some baby goats will get fed. Hey, everyone. It's me and Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, to my virtual right. Farmer Dave, how the heck are you doing this week? I am well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Great to hear, actually. Yeah, we have a bit of hail and uh, some sun out there for people who are listening live right now in Oleander. And, uh, yeah, anything else going on, Dave, that you think's worth mentioning? Uh, just all of a sudden that, yeah, the hail just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like dozing off for a moment and I thought it was raining. I go, I better go check, close the barn door. And there was ice falling from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been a bit under the weather as, as you might be able to hear in my voice. Uh, not, not COVID thankfully. It's just regular old flu. And, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, I woke up to some hail and going, oh, I better go set up to, uh, better go down to the studio, better better go uh, set up my recording stuff and uh, turn everything on and heat up the radio station because once they get done doing stuff in the morning and they shut it down for the day and it is a icebox there for sure. Anyway, uh, it's it's heated up now, and yeah, um, City's doing some stonework outside of the radio station, so thank you, City of Oleander, for taking care of that stuff. Um, unfortunately, it'll be happening during our recording, but... Um, what are we, what are we talking about today? So we are talking about Clarkish Tawn, which is a persona of Clark Ashton Smith uh-huh. and Kingsport, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. And then we don't have an interview today, but I do have a little presentation about the woman with no face. Whoa. The mysterious German criminal mastermind that for 16 years eluded, uh, eluded the German police from committing crimes from cop killing to stealing cookies out of an RV and how she was able to commit crimes throughout Germany and not once be seen. Wow, sounds like a mythos entity almost. The woman without a face. Sounds sounds like something you'd find with like uh, uh, Narlathotep or something of that nature. One one of his many masks is yes. the well, the, woman the, without the a face. truth the truth is better and worse than okay. you could than that. Okay. We right. find out what the truth is behind the woman with no face. Whoa. Also known as the Phantom. Whoa. Wow, the goats are really excited about that one. The goats love the Phantom. <laughs> they think you're talking about Lamont Cranston, though. They do. <laughs> so, uh, Dave's corner of the podcast. Uh, not that part, but this part where Dave talks about stuff. Um, we're talking about Clark Ashton Smith's uh, Atlantean uh, Sorcerer King from way back when. Um, that's 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 literally all I know, except for the names based off Clark Ashton Smith. And uh, I think it like Namor, Prince of Atlantis, is like great 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 grandfather. So, so it started out, uh-huh. uh, Clackish Tawn. Yeah. Started out, basically, you've got to remember, 
of the thir- of the the three, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lovecraft, Howard, and Smith. Yeah. They never met each other. Yeah. But they would write pages and pages to each other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, when they're writing, they would have personas, such as Lovecraft was Uncle Theobald. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. Robert E. Howard was Tugan Ba, mm-hmm. and Clark Ashton Smith was Clackish Tom. Okay. So basically, the way that this would translate now mm-hmm. is computer group names. Yeah. Like Discord yeah. or something. This would be their computer handles. Okay. And so they would write each other letters and they would address it. So Clackish Tom does not appear. As a character in any story that I know of. Okay. He does get referenced in his writings. Uh-huh. So they'll say this was for, so, you know, foretold by Clackish Tawn or in the prophecies of Clackish Tawn. Okay. You know, but he's not, he's not, a, he's not like yeah, the sorcerer Evan mm-hmm. or Randolph Carter. He's sure. not a, he's not a, a, an author avatar. More literally, you got to think of these guys almost as computer geeks before computers. Yeah, yeah. And Lovecraft would have been this incredible computer troll. He really would have. <laughs> you know, his politics, his Yikes, sense yeah. of humor. He, 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 he was basically a computer troll before computers. Yeah. Okay. And so that's where the term comes from, is from their letters. Uh, and they use them, like I said, it gets worked in to some of the stories, and he's given some background mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as an Atlantean, you know, wizard. Yeah, yeah. But this is where it kind of, because, you know, we talked about Hyperborea mm-hmm. and Hyborea, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hyborea, there's two separate universes. Mm-hmm. Well, Howard and Smith both have Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. And though, even though... We don't see Clackish Tongue come up in, say, the Cole stories. Mm-hmm. And there were only, I think, three that were published in and Smith's, I mean, Robert E. Howard's lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is, um, you know, that is a connection. That's sort of where the universes break. Okay. So if you wanted a, a place where you could sort of tie all three, even though, you know, Lovecraft will mention Atlantis, but he doesn't really talk about it. Sure. It would be uh, Atlantis. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Not enough uh, stuff about Atlantis in, in Call of Cthulhu, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling personally. <laughs> so, so, but there is, there is a definitely a tradition of... Of sunken cities. Oh, sure, yeah. Sunken islands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rael... Uh, a lot of this is going to be um, the temple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of this is is going to be referenced, and a lot of it because, you know, this is going to be um, part of the what we would later after the war call like New Age beliefs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I I think it's interesting. It's 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 like I I, I feel like. Uh, the Atlantean king sorcerer would appear. Uh, I, I, I feel like if if someone is writing stuff now, it's mentioned and stuff like that, but no one really, yeah. But it, it is pretty cool that they all wrote about the same thing. It's just a shame. They could have, like, created a series Bible together <laughs> to yeah. some things out. 
just a come things to, to, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh. um, I guess that's that's being done by everyone nowadays, including us, uh, trying to uh, piece all these bits of uh, I don't know. Uh, almost like uh, treating it like I don't know Gnostic <laughs> uh, gospel and stuff like that. Being like, well, is this part? What about this? And um, well, actually, no, not treating it like not. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think yeah, you I might know what I'm parallel. talking about. I think you might know what I'm saying there. But yeah. So, so maybe one little thing too. I mean, so Clark Ashton Smith uh, as the person, uh-huh. and, and I think Clarkish Tom. Was definitely one of his personas. Sure. Um, um, he gets maybe the least amount of love, unfortunately, because he's a great writer. Sure, sure. Well, Lovecraft himself, they were introduced because Lovecraft wrote him a fan letter That's about cool. what a great poet he is. Um, so Smith was also this quadruple threat. Okay. He was this prodigy child poet who, you know, at a young age had books published in Europe. Okay. He was this short story writer, mm-hmm. but he was also a sculptor and a painter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of, you know, more better than me. I mean, let's say it's better. Yeah. Um, he's also the only of the three that is going to have a, nortro, a normal length life. Yeah. If that makes sense that he was going to die in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, only person of the three that had a successful romantic relationship. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, to best of my knowledge, all three of them only really had one serious relationship in their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Smith may have had some smaller relationships or shorter relationships before sure. he got married. Yeah. Uh, but and after Robert E. Howard and Lovecraft passed away, mm-hmm. even though Smith is going to live for almost uh, – you know, for another 24 or 25 years, uh-huh. he's going to pretty much give up writing after they die. Yeah. Uh, he Now, he, now he's not going to completely give up uh, art. Mm-hmm. He will um, continue occasional poems, and, and he will focus on being a sculptor and a painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, I think, we see those parts also in um some of his other sort of his his real author avatar, yeah, uh, Ivan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, I think that there's a lot, and the, the, definitely that the movie about him a couple of years I think opened a lot of people's eyes and a lot of interest. So I think we'll see a lot more about the different parts or personalities of Smith. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I hope so. I really hope so. Anything else we can say about this uh, Atlantean uh, king? That, um, like I said, that's really all you get because outside the letters, mm-hmm. we'll always see him is is mentioned as plot device, narrative device. Mm-hmm. Oh, as foretold, or you know, yeah. thus in the writings of Clark Ash. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Clark Ashton. Yeah, uh, but I believe too. And I think there's some debate on that. I think, though, the nickname was coined by Lovecraft. Okay. All right. I mean, it sounds Lovecraftian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not 
uh, monosyllabic name of Atlantis, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as I said before, something I read earlier today is that uh, Clackish Tan is a character in the Marvel 616. So, hey. Yes, through, I believe, the 60s and 70s Conan stories. Oh, I, I assumed uh, that it was like Namor or something like um, that. But yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I I think, wait, uh, maybe, maybe the listeners will have to listen to what I say and then come back to research. But I think Clockish Tongue comes in 616 under the Conan. Okay. All right. Because I always forget that Conan is part of the 616. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to talk about a, Dave's going to talk about a faceless lady. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Kingsport, Massachusetts, uh, where the Mawtucket pours out into uh, the harbor. So, or pours out into the sea. Uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, yeah, so there's a high house in the mist there. There's a terrible old man, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, so you're not feeling like a terrible old man. Why don't you make yourself a nice hot cup of copper cow coffee? Uh, this Vietnamese pour-over can also be used to make uh, some really nice cold brew or throw it in your espresso maker. Treat it like a curry cup or, you know, I mean, I don't think you can put it in your curry thing. Uh because those things are garbage. What you should do with your Keurig is throw it out and, uh, or just never buy one. Just never buy one. But hey, uh, pour over coffee, get it delivered, and you get a discount if you get a subscription. What's the discount? You'll have to go to our show link to find out. All right. And also, I want to give a shout out to the folks at Donner. I have this beautiful Donner guitar right here. That's not in tune, but oh baby, is it a beautiful, beautiful uh, Les Paul Special 2 style is the best way I can describe it. And uh, yeah, yeah, headstocks are way better than the Les Pauls. Uh, I've been playing this for quite some time. The headstock is not broken. And uh, it, it does stay in tune pretty well. Uh, I just haven't tuned it lately. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've been playing other guitars as well. Anyway, check out Donner in the show notes and get yourself a Donner deal. Hey everybody, this is Farmer Dave, and uh, to my virtual left and or right is nobody. So I'm not having anyone to talk to today. I'm going to talk to you. This is actually a story I wanted to tell oh, about a year ago, but we just never had time to work it into one of the shows. Um, and so, you know, like I said, we mainly talk about... Lovecraft and role-playing games and 
whatever. But, I, you know, I've always brought in sort of a hodgepodge of just things that I've been interested in or I find fascinating. And, um, you know, we all love a good bad guy, at least in fiction. You know, heroes are nothing if they don't have good bad guys. Darth Vader, the Joker for Batman. And then there's, you know, the ultimate nemesis, Moriarty to, to Sherlock Holmes. Moriarty is such a good bad guy that he only really appears in two Sherlock Holmes stories. You know, he's mentioned, he's in the background, his organization pops up. But out of all those Sherlock Holmes stories, he is only seen in two of them. And as bad guys go, the best bad guys, I think, can often be women. Whether it's Grendel's mother or Harlequin, a really good, well-written female bad guy leader is just an incredible, can be an incredible character. But what if they're real? What if in the 21st century there was a real evil female criminal mastermind that killed without remorse? And we definitely see some of those uh, in the South American uh, narcotics cartel, but one that was so adept at keeping her identity a secret and moving through a high-tech nation that she got the nickname The Phantom or The Woman Without a Face. This is a story of a criminal mastermind who was so feared that if any of her underlings or minions were captured, everyone to a person denied that she existed. She was that feared. In fact, she was so good at covering her tracks that only by the most advanced and cutting edge technology and science at the time would police even know that she existed. This story takes place in Germany. In fact, our mysterious femme fatale uh, was known as the Phantom of Helleborn, which is a, a German city where some of her crimes had been committed. But she didn't limit her crimes to this one city. In fact, she committed crimes, and mur including murders, you know, even on the other side of the French border. In fact, mysteriously, the only place that she did not commit crimes was in Bavaria. For over 15 years, she had the German police and Interpol completely stumped on who she was and how to catch her. Her crime spree basically went from 1993 to 2009 unchecked. In fact, they wouldn't have even known about her if not for something that was done by the Hilderborn Police Department in Germany. They had a uh, project called, um, translated into English, Parking Lot, 
which is, I guess, kind of like uh, here in America, uh, a cold case program, where they started comparing evidence, and that they found that there were especially two murders that seemed to be the same DNA, two different parts of the country. As they began collecting and comparing, they're finding that this phantom or woman without a face was in over 60 crimes, including some horrendous, terrible murders. But at the same time, thank you, Ralph the, the Roosters. Many of you know uh, we do actually record much of this show on a, a working farm, so uh, Ralph wants to throw his part two cents in, and you may even hear a few baby goats. Uh, so, uh, was where was I before, Ralph? Oh, okay. So, not only were these just some horrendous murders that she seemed to uh, have committed of old people literally, you know, strangled with their hands, but she did some silly crimes, uh, including breaking into a, an RV and stealing cookies. The most wanted criminal mastermind in all of Europe apparently just got hungry, pulled over, broke into a stranger's RV, stole the cookies and left. And the reason that the cops knew it was her and was able to type, her DNA was left on major crime scenes. But this woman with without a face, she was so adept at committing crimes, at things like avoiding video cameras, that if it was not for her DNA, the police literally would not know that she existed. And DNA studies was still kind of new, so they were able to get some information. that She was all over, like I said, all over the crime, uh, committed all throughout Germany except for Bavaria, and they were able to, that she was female. It was obvious female DNA, Someone from Eastern Europe, maybe some Russian blood. And it wasn't like these were crimes committed definitely by like the Russian mafia. She seemed to, her international organization, not only did she seem to often go and do these things by herself, but that, you know, her, her followers were all throughout Germany. There wasn't one criminal organization that this could be pinned on. And the police were beginning to develop a, a profile on her. Like I said, they knew that she was female, she was Eastern European, uh, she had apparently killed several elderly people with her bare hands. And they also found a, a syringe of partly used heroin with her DNA on the needle. Um, so apparently, in addition to the, all of this, she was a heroin addict. She was also very, very intimidating. Because when some of her gang was captured, even when they confessed to the crime, they denied that she had been part of it. They would not turn her up. Even if they were offered things like you know, less sentence, not one gang member would roll on her. The police said that she was just, 
that intimidating. They were that afraid that they would turn on her even if they were given a chance at their freedom. They just, to a person, denied she existed. The Phantom's most audacious, audacious crime was the one that really shocked Germany, where she basically walked up to a police car where a policewoman was writing reports, reached in, grabbed this policewoman's gun, and killed her on the streets and got away with it. Nobody could find her. Um, her DNA was obviously all over the gun that was left there, but that was the only trace that they had of her. And this really shocked Germany. So with even more resources, the manhunt was on. And eventually they found the woman with no face. And she was a 60-year-old woman of Polish-Russian descent who had never been at any of these crime scenes. She worked in the factory that made the cotton swabs that all police departments in Germany used, except Bavaria, to collect DNA. This woman's DNA was left because it existed for the factory. In fact, written on the packaging of these bags were not for use with DNA testing because it is not uncontaminated written right on the package. And for 16 years, the German police was basically literally tracing a ghost. And the woman, you know, who worked there, she was a Polish-Russian immigrant who worked at the factory, didn't know anything about these crimes, didn't think that the police would be looking for her, and there's no reason to believe that she had done any of this. It was literally a matter of evidence contamination. And it took the German police 16 years to figure it out. And of course, there were a lot of mistrials as well as retrials once this had become public because this was 60, 70 cases that it was involved over almost 15 years. I mean, if there is a happy side to this story, it's the idea that, you know, this that somebody couldn't be that actively involved in, in crimes so violent and hideous in nature for 15 years and not get caught? Or could they? Could it be that there is this phantom out there and she's just so good you don't even know about her yet? I leave you with that thought. My name is David Heath, also known as Farmer Dave, and you're listening to The People's Guide to Cthulhu Mythos. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests, and thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, 
submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. everyone we are back i hope you enjoyed that break and i hope you are ready to hear me and dave talk about some cool stuff that you can use in your dungeons and dragons shadow run cyberpunk 20 whatever uh call of cthulhu if you play that game or uh who knows uh, any any number of 2d20 1d10s uh rock paper scissor uh Whatever you want to do. Are you playing a game with a handful of six-sided dice? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. No, quick, quick, quick slide of notification, though. Yeah. So, so Clackistan is in the 616. Okay. Via the Conan universe. Okay, okay, good. Uh, but, slash, also, apparently, Marvel did a version of the whispers in darkness which is one of the things that he's that they they find oh. and he may be mentioned in that okay. the, if whispers in darkness is part of 616 yeah too but the, the main connection official connection with clockish ton is through conan even though technically atlantis and Hyboria is almost as far away as Hyboria in our modern world. Okay. All right. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about Kingsport and how to use it in your Dungeons and Dragons or any RPG. Uh, simple. You take a 
port town and you make it a little bit antiquated so it's just out of touch a slight bit i mean they may not have uh you know if if, if your uh if your place has everything has gas lan- lanterns they may still have torches up if uh you have like a super duper complex uh computer-based society they're still on laptops <laughs> but yeah so so Kingsport, I want to maybe just say a couple of things about oh, Kingsport yeah, first. Yeah, go for it. Kingsport is, with the exception of Arkham, mm-hmm. I think the fictitious town that Lovecraft mentions the most. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't get, and the goats agree with me, if mm-hmm. you can hear that, it does not agree, it doesn't get like the the love and the name recognition of Inzamouth no. and Dunwich. No. Because my personal belief is because they don't ever show up in the title. It's not in the title of any sure. of the stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he does appear, uh, the terrible old man. Uh, I think the most important one is probably the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even Nagahotep is talking about it mm-hmm. in, in Dream Quest. Yeah. Uh, uh, key, I think in Silver Keys. So it is... Rob a lot, quite a lot. A thing at the doorstep. Say, that's where Azneth went to school first. Yes, and and that's the interesting part because it went to school there. But isn't she her family from Innsmouth? Well, her mother's side of the family. We don't know where her father's side of the family is, and we do know that her father was a wizard who knew how to switch bodies. And yes. um, Kingsport, full of wizards. Yes. Who who have who 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 figured out how to make you know things that ought to uh, things that ought to crawl walk. (laughs) So. And and, and that's sort of where I think Kingsport in a game or a Mm -hmm. story is a little bit different than 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 in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Because if you go like festival, I mean, there's this huge fire god underneath. Uh-huh, uh-huh, there, yeah. There's Bakis, as as our good friend Ken Height says, going down rivers like ducks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but there, it's underground. Yes. Where where Innsmouth is going to wear its, its contamination, its taint, I don't know what you want to call it. Sure. The influence... It's almost Innsmouth is almost daring you to realize we're not normal. Yeah. Yeah. No. Kingsport is is in the surrounding areas underground, mm-hmm. but it's got to be just as powerful as Innsmouth. Oh sure, sure. It it lulls you into a false sense of comfort with its quaint uh, little lanes and its its old cobblestone streets and its its Georginian style houses and you know it's just. It looks old and cute, and it's kind of place that, you know, you're just going to go through. You're going to have a nice time at the beach that day, maybe do some fishing, and then go back to Boston. It's it's not a, I don't know. It's, I, I imagine it's, it's uh, even in the 20s and 30s, it was a tourist destination or a place that you'd go visit, uh, unlike other parts of the uh, Miskatonic Valley uh, and uh, Lovecraft Country in general. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, based on Marblehead, yeah. The real city. Based on Marblehead, and it has a high house on a cliff, which. So this was the hardest part for me to sure. understand. Yeah. It, it is uh, you know the and this is where the role playing game really helped me. 
Um, so, um, oh, uh, the strange house uh, in the mist. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm I'm lifetime pretty much West Coaster. Yeah. And so I don't really understand the way. I mean, he does a good job, but then all of a sudden there's this port city, and then all of a sudden there's this mountain you got to climb up to get to this house that no yeah. one wants to. I couldn't really understand the geography okay. until Chaosium's Kingsport book. Oh, okay. And they have a cover of it and how the rock comes out, sort of this huge rock jettisons out mm-hmm. at an angle, what it looks like. I go, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. Now I understand what it looks like. Sure. Because, you know, reading it, I just didn't make any sense to me that how there was this kind of mountain in the middle of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a uh, great thing, if you play Call of Cthulhu, you can just go out and buy a book for it. And there's all kinds of stuff in it. Um, if you're playing Dungeons uh, & Dragons. And I have the uh, I have an older version. I don't know if they still make it. It uh-huh. covers both the D20 and the D100. Version. Oh, well that's So cool. it has all the things converted for both games. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what, how would you use uh, Kingsport in a Dungeons & Dragons game? Well, so 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 Lovecraft almost tells you the whole module there. Okay. I mean, he, he just got to add the monsters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Is you've got to get up this mysterious mountain. Okay. That that and you've got to get there by night, and then once you get onto this top of this hill, there is this house, which is it, it, it's it's sort of like Kadath. Okay. It's the house of the gods, and I don't think reading it, um, we ever associated it with the gods. Somebody up there mm-hmm. who painted all those pictures of nodens and something. Yeah. It. it so you you've got this built-in module. You got to make it up this mountain, just add monsters. Sure. And then explore this house that has all this supernatural stuff in it, where uh, you know a being from the heavens can come. In any time and just pick you off. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and so Kingsport is also it can be snuck in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of an English TV show called Inspector Morse? No. So it's a it's a major like detective series, okay. an English detective series. Well, they had a prequel. Okay. And the prequel was Endeavor. The guy's name was Endeavor Morse. Sure. And it was talking about him being a young cop in the 60s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's one story where uh, it's basically, it's, it turns out it's not supernatural, but it involves like a, a mysterious haunted house that was mm-hmm. turned into a, a girl's school and people were being killed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the couple visiting from America in that episode is from Kingsport. <laughs> not so Kingsport, you can, Tennessee. No, no. I, I think I'm very clear. I, I, that it, yeah. So, so there really is a Kingsport, Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, sure. But yeah. No, from from uh, Kingsport, Massachusetts. And this is kind of the the creepy, ghosty episode. So I'm sure the authors, I mean the the writers, meant that. Sure. So you could kind of you could bring just like they brought Kingsport into this sort of natural setting. You can bring the people from Kingsport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Into your cities, and now if you guys, if you've got players that are, are, are savvy, and, and they go, oh, this person's from the Innsmouth. Well, I know that they're going to be deep ones. Uh huh. 
you're not quite sure who these people from from uh, Kingsport might be. Yeah. Because you know the ter- the terrible old man is almost helpful in the strange high house in the mist. Yeah. He he helps the reverend. Uh-huh. He's sort of maybe the only one that has sympathy for the reverend. But he's this evil murderer in his own story. I don't know if he's an evil murderer in his old story. Is so much of the fact that he uh, he's a gleeful murderer. He's a gleeful murderer. But I mean, did he do the murdering, or did the uh, ghost pirates do the murdering? Well, I think uh, the ghost pirates did it because he told them to. Okay, okay. But I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, no. Um... So, so, so you could have a, a, a an NPC from Kingsport, sure, who could be both have his own motivations, could be downright evil, maybe mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. if he's trying to protect himself or his interests, sure, but could be supportive of what the characters are doing. Another interesting, just Kingsport um, uh, trivia uh-huh. that could also be used. So, uh, you know, we talked about it, and he's told the story quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but Ramsey Campbell, you know, talked a little bit when he was on our show last month yeah. about how, um, you know, August Derlitt had said, no, you got to start writing these stories in, you know, the place you know. Yeah. And uh, so, well, he, the story that, that sparked that. You know the church in the uh, the church in High Street. Yeah, was originally set in Kingsport. Okay, that's cool. Um, so, 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 you know, that kind of inspires me. You know, you can mix Kingsport. So he basically, you know, Campbell did that. He made he took Kingsport. Yeah, and he put it in England. Yeah. Well, you're a Oregon GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put put a Kingsport in Oregon. Well, Take it and give it sort of, you know, a, a a local persona. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's where the kite festival happens every year. Maybe it's the town that an eighties, uh, several eighties movies were filmed in, and you and your friends are going there because you love those movies so much. And um, maybe it is. Uh, a, a town right next to an old military fort that you and your friends are going to go check out. Uh, maybe, maybe it's it's known for its sand dunes and stuff like that, or like the most southern place where you can go surfing in Oregon. You know, the the most northern part on the coast that you can go surfing without smashing your head into boulders. You know, maybe maybe it's the eight caves that are where they do the ceremony. Ooh, ooh. Uh, and uh, speaking of the ceremony, I was thinking, what if it's not wizards? What if you're doing a, a, a high-tech game like Cyberpunk or Shadowrun without magic? and uh, Or just some sort of like futuristic-y Blade Runner type game. Uh, not too far in the future, um, but, you know, it's, it's a place of people of great technological power. Uh, I don't know... Uh, it's it's uh, some sort of like underground place where you get uh, brought into some sort of secret organization of deckers or net runners or <laughs> something like that uh, could be uh, could be part of a criminal empire you know could 
could be a lot of things. And you could even do that with your D&D games, uh, just like having it be like more of a thieves guild underneath it, make it, make it uh, you know, sorcerers and thieves or something. There's, I, I feel like you could do a fair amount with Kingsport. If you have like the city with like, you know, a fire god underneath, uh, maybe the fire god isn't uh, necessarily a bad guy maybe uh the fire god isn't necessarily a fire god could be like a supercomputer could be some sort of uh i don't know giant mutant thing like i don't know uh maybe in your far future thing it's like your quato uh where your alien yeah yeah well, you know, someone who did kind of that, and we talked a little bit, I talked a little bit, too, about how much, last week about how much I love the 2D20 system. Uh-huh, uh-huh. One of the 2D20 systems out there uh-huh. is Fallout. Oh, yeah. And ki- the Kingsport Lighthouse appears in Fallout 4. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, you know, maybe, and and, and I have not played the video game. Mm-hmm. So correct me because you're probably much more knowledgeable than I. Oh, yeah. But isn't that like one of the places you can set up a settlement? Yeah, yeah, you can set up a settlement once you move the Brotherhood of the Atom out of there, and they power their lighthouse with a uh, super, super uh, radioactive glowing one ghoul. Which I mean, it doesn't power it, but it like casts a little bit of light. <laughs> and unfor- unfortunately, like Point Lookout, you can't. Uh, which is a DLC for Fallout Three. You can't go and find a new bulb and put it in the lighthouse and make the lighthouse work. So Uh-oh. it's a bummer. But maybe you can in your role playing in your Fallout paper game. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And there's a Kingsport lighthouse, but there's no high, uh, high house in the mist or or actual Kingsport, unfortunately. But. You know, uh, Fallout says stuff like, well, you know, some coastal things that you're used to got washed away or were bombed, or uh, Kingsport could be the crater that is right next to the Kingsport lighthouse. And, and, and another thought, and I know I'm jumping all over here, oh, but sure, yeah. you can hear the goats jumping all around me. It is, it's a default perfect for D&D. Yeah. The caves, that that's a dungeon. Yep. So you create the city and say, well, yeah, there's these ghouls or something that seem to be coming out of these caves. That's a default perfect setting. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And I feel like Kingsport is kind of like calm enough, nice enough. It could be your starting point, and then you go there, and then you go there, and then you go there, and, you know, make your way to uh, Arkham, make your way to Miskatonic. Uh, then, you know, once you know enough, you find out that there is a big bad underneath where you started. Ooh. Or a bunch of big bads. No, no, I'm thinking Kingsport. So, so you know, it could also be King's Spaceport. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're doing a Star Wars game. Sure. Maybe the thing in the tunnel is a Sarloth. No. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Or a Sarloth, I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. The, the big tentacle stuff, dude. Yeah. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I like that King's Spaceport. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, if it's an actual space station, it could be like the inner inner underneath, like the ventilation systems or whatever has some sort of uh, cult that, uh, you know, gathers and does Sith things, Sith sorcerers, uh, <laughs> who, who worship some old fiery uh, holocron deep, deep underneath. Uh, 
Yeah, no, uh, you you could do, you know, or maybe it's like on a meteor, like a space station built into a meteor, or a, a, what do you call those things? A asteroid. Asteroid. And, and there's like some big nasty thing living inside of the asteroid. And there's some terrible old, uh, uh, terrible old, uh, well, I was, I was, I was trying to think of, uh, uh, terrible old Twilix or terrible old, uh, terrible old Wookiee. Yeah. Terrible old Wookiee, something like that, where it's like, you hear stories and stuff like that of like, you know, you hear like the aftermath of what happened to, uh, a bunch of like smugglers and how they have like all kinds of like um, uh, slug tosser chunks and like non vibro weapon hacks out of them or something like that. Something like yeah. clearly done with archaic weapons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's one other, I think that oh, sort sure. of, so Lovecraft gives a lot of game ideas. Oh yeah. For, but it's, I think, is, is it Silver Key where, um, where Randy Carter is sort of, he, he, he's no longer on the Kadath. He, he just, he hasn't become pig mutant alien, uh-huh. but he's stuck on the earth. So he's got to go find the Silver Key. Oh, that's either the Silver Key or the White Ship or one of those. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's the Silver yeah. Key or it could be beyond the Silver Key. Sure. But. The thing is, it's in a cave on the cliff mm-hmm, surrounded mm-hmm. by poisonous snakes. Yeah, yeah. And that is just, you know, that he basically is designing a dungeon again. Yep, yeah. You know, and, it's, and here's the magic item. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I think there was other, I can't remember, but I think there was other stuff in the cave, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so you know, it could be like a whole treasure hoard. And, and if you've got I mean, if you've got, it doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural. No, no, it doesn't. It could be, you know, the robbers, well, the snakes are there, mm-hmm. and the, the robbers wear these thick, high boots because they know the snakes are there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but if it's something flying, like an alien or a flying polyp mm-hmm. or a dragon, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like a perfect sort of design for a, a, a cave horde. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, so, King... yeah. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of gaming material because again, since it's not got a name after it, yeah, a lot of your casual players, it'll tickle something in the back of their brain, but it won't come out to them and say, "Oh yeah, this is obviously Lovecraft." Definitely, definitely, and it, you know, it it appears pretty normal. So. Hey, I mean, even if you change the name slightly to Queensport or, uh, I don't know, Dukesport or something like that, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe change the, uh, uh, you know, for whatever you're playing, like, as we said, for like Star Wars, uh, Spaceport, King's, King's Spaceport, whatever, you know, um, there's, there's a ton of things you could do. And a ton of ways you could change the name and change little details about it just to, you know, let your players know this may be based off something, but they won't know what necessarily. But, yeah. And, and if they make assumptions, they do it at their own risk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. what uh, the, the worm wizard things, uh, I don't know. Uh, 
you could you could do that with like instead of like a wizard made out of worms it could be a wizard made out of rats it could be a wizard made out of minox it could be a wizard made out of um gnomes gnomes uh what about a wizard made out of small little homunculi uh what about a wizard made out of uh i don't know uh kyber crystals uh you know i don't know I'm just I'm just coming up with stuff off the top of my head. One of the other things sort of about Kingsport, yeah, is is we have the almost geologically sort of deepest, uh-huh. and maybe not the deepest. Maybe the 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 pits that are the, you know and Exor mm-hmm. Priory might be deeper. Sure. But we also have the highest. That, I mean, not yeah. counting. Not counting sort of allusions to the Himalayas, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, we got the highest, the top of the mountain, and the lowest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right there in the same area. Wow! And so it could be maybe the clue in the house leads you to the pit. Oh yeah. Or maybe if it's a dimensional or something, mm-hmm. a door. You know, you're going in for spelunking. You go through this magic door, and now you're in a house in the, the highest point in the, the, the state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like those ideas. And, hey, if you use any of those, those ideas or you have your own ideas on how to use uh, Kingsport in a game, contact us, and we'll share it with the listeners. All right, everyone. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It has been I, Farmer Dave, and DB. No, wait a minute. Other way around. Me, uh, DB. Uh, and, and, and I with, with 20 baby goats. Yeah. All right. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Check out our sponsors, like, review, tell your friends about it, and hit that notify button if you are listening to this on the YouTubes. So we'll see you next time, everyone, and goodbye. Bye. Stay safe. Don't – no, wait a minute. That's not us. Um, Stay squiggly and keep it weird. like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today.